You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. G'day guys, welcome to another episode of The Perth Property Show. I'm your host, Trent Fleskins. And just remember, if you've got any questions or comments, please leave them on the Facebook page or perthpropertyshow.com.au. Now, we're not hot off the press with this one, and, and there's been a bit of chit-chat around in the last month or so since the election, but it's worth getting this on the podcast and really just laying it out between the two of us. We've got Sam Carello in the studio again, G'day. one of WA's top brokers. As I always like to say, it's fantastic <laughs> to have you in here, Sam. So we're going to just flesh out a few of those headline influence factors here as to what happens now since the Liberals have surprisingly been re-elected. So we're going to start off with probably the most direct impact that's come out of the Liberals. It's their idea. Obviously, the Labor team were looking to copy this straight up anyway. Yeah. But... Can you run us quickly through, Sam, for those who haven't really had a lot of time to think about it? Because it's going to come in on the 1st of January, right? Yep. The first home buyer's assistance scheme. Yeah, so the coalition, I think it was about the last week of the campaign. Super they, late. Yeah, they announced that they'll put out their $500 million to help assist Australian first home buyers. So what they've done here is, similar to, I guess, Keystart in WA, they said if you can come up with a 5% deposit, will, I guess, secure you for the other 15%, which means no lender's mortgage insurance payable. Not bad, but does it, as you said, does it really affect us given we've had Keystart for 30 years? What it does change is the income threshold. So Keystart are quite low there. Obviously, trying to get your first home buyers in, you know, ideally looking for a product under 430000 With this announcement, what they're saying is, so they'll release it to 10,000 first home buyers. They've capped that and they've put the income threshold, so for a single, up to 125000 I think Keystart's uh, income threshold's about eighty five, And then for a couple, it's 200000 That's a lot. That is a lot. So East Coast, I think definitely probably positioned over there. But yeah, $200,000 for a joint income. You said they're 10,000 lucky winners, right? And when I extrapolate that over the country, that means we have a 1,000 of us West Australians who are going to possibly get in on this in its conception. Are we getting benefits on the rates, at least, compared to Keystart? I would hope so, but there's been Isn't very the point limited... here that we can go to our own bank and then apply for this assistance scheme with the government, but with our own bank? The whole, the whole issue with Keystart, which I've always complained about being a whirlpool of risk, is that Keystart don't provide any discounts if you're a first-home buyer struggling to get some savings into your bank account, you're also going to get slapped with the highest interest rates in the country. Good luck yeah. paying that off. But with this this uh, government scheme, it seems you can go to your own bank and get your own 3.7% rate. You can just go to your, go to your own bank, apply for your own product, yeah. but instead of getting slapped with five ten thousand $10,000 in LMI from QBE or Gemworth, they'll cover you. The, government the government's will. got you back yeah. up to 95%. Yep. And that's the benefit, in my opinion, the only benefit we're probably going to see over and above Keystart you know, in not having to pay your five and a bit percent interest rate. Yeah, well, Keystart, I think they're, they're right. They work it out from the standard rate of the big four. So they're, yeah, they're up at about 5.4%. Mm, not providing any discretions there at all. No, no. No such thing as a pricing request <laughs> yeah. at Keystart. So everyone's on the same. Um but I yeah. think I think this isn't going to help the first home buyer as much. It's going to help the construction industry. I think it's going to directly provide ten thousand more homes 
than would have otherwise maybe been built and therefore there's a bit more work going around. Yeah, I mean, but you look at the on-flow of that and you've got Ricky's hired, you've got landscapers, Sparky's, everyone, the amount of flow on... A bit more work, yeah. Yeah, from from building a new home compared to, to I guess, buying an established home is, is massive. All right, next one. Now, this for me is, is the biggest stabilizer that we're seeing in terms of sentiment, but also just market fundamentals. And that's the fact that our market had pretty much already built in that we're going to lose negative gearing. And now we're not. Yeah. Right. And I think everyone's throwing their hats in the air there with excitement. It's not to say that any of us really knew what the outcome was going to be, but that was the point. Whenever there's a lack of surety about and confidence about the future, there comes fear. And when you have fear, you have inaction. And that's why I think we've seen, along with the Royal Banking Commission at the start of the year, it then gets rolled straight into Bill Shorten scaring the bejesus out of everyone in the property uh, space for the next three months. Um, now we've got a bit of stability. Now we know nothing is going to change. Yeah, so they were obviously going to get rid of the negative gearing. You know, grandfather it. So any properties purchased after, I guess, uh, I think it was 1st of Jan 2020, uh, it'd have to be a new property. That's now scrapped. So negative gearing is still there, which is fantastic. I we think, can all get on with our lives. Yeah, and I mean, you guys would see it, Strategic Property Group. You guys do a lot of new builds. You deal with investors. The number of investors coming through my door in the last probably six to twelve months dropped off drastically. Yeah, everyone was sitting tight, like you said, Royal Commission, the tightening of lending, and then yeah, uh, Bill Shorten coming out and saying they're going to get rid of negative gearing. It was majority occupied stuff because everyone was too scared to to pull the trigger or do anything. And I think you also see and that that other factor, capital gains, yeah. uh, him bringing that from fifty percent discount to twenty five percent. Again, it just gives people another reason not to invest in property or to sell now, which uh, when you increase that selling impact in the market, it it just brings the market down. There's there's obviously more options for the buyers. So I think, again, we're seeing people who might have come on and tried to sell now, maybe they relax now, they pull their house off the market. All those people who are obviously, obviously building in the tax implications of that small investment that they were looking to make, they can build back that 50% discount at some time in the future. That's exactly right. And I think in Australia, a lot of investors are you know, what you'd probably term your mum and dad investors. It's not big end of town or, or whatever it was uh, quoted as. Most of my clients have an owner-occupied property, maybe one investment, Two, oh, you don't see many people out there with more than you know two or three properties. I think the stat is that people who own more than three or more than four, it's one of those two, it's less than 6% of the country. Correct, yeah. Right? So most people at some point in time, I think, will aspire to owning one or two investment properties. And that's just your normal mum and dad living in Morley, right? That's, well, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely isn't the big part of town. And that's where obviously Bill just got it totally wrong. And uh, good luck to him going forward in the future. But uh, the last, the last thing I think coming out of this election is we're going to obviously see a continuance of those tax bracket changes, the tax rate changes. Yeah. Talk us through that. Yeah. So I think uh, tax cuts for people on between fifteen and a hundred thousand, not massive. I mean, extra th- just over a thousand dollars in your pocket per year. But you know, everything helps. So trip to Bali. Well, that's it, mate. <laughs> trip to Bali, seven days. Yeah. Probably living expenses over there too. But, I mean, tax cuts are always good. You know, I, I don't 
I've never met anyone who's not been happy with a tax cut, so that frees up a little bit more cash for spending to get the economy going, you know? Well, when you tie that in with the conversation we've had previously about APRA's changes and whatnot, it really is starting to look like, even if it's just on the books for the banks, we've all got a bit more money to spend and, and therefore a bit more of an opportunity to get approved with our home loans. Well, that's, that's right. And also a bit more money to spend out there on those small businesses. You know, you, you sometimes go through the city or... West Perth and there's a, Street, yeah. there's a lot of lease signs or a lot of businesses shutting down. So hopefully it's a thousand dollars. Hopefully people go out and buy a decent dinner every so often or something and then get that money back in the economy. Well, I hope they're saving it towards another investment. Property, <laughs> that's, just, that's just my uh, landing. Uh, Sam, Perfect. thanks for coming in, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll chat again very soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. Thanks, Trent. Okay, suburb spotlight time, and this week we are talking about a very small suburb in the Vic Park region. It is St. James, and we have our number one agent in, as always, to talk about her suburb. It's Guinevere Hall from Ray White. Guinevere, thank you very much for coming in. No problem. Most people, I think, if you were north of the river especially, wouldn't have a clue where St. James is. No, they think it's one of the new suburbs possibly up north. It sounds fancy. Yes, it does. Firstly, give me an idea. Where is it? It's about eight kilometres from the CBD and it's situated between East Vic Park and Bentley. So if I'm driving down Albany Highway... Yep, where Shepparton Road and Albany Highway join, that's where pretty much where St James... Well, it actually starts at Hillview Terrace, but around that area. And it's on the right-hand side really, that's, isn't it? Yeah. Left of it is There's a little Welsh bit on Pool. the... Well, it used to be Welsh Pool, but that's also St James now. Yeah, there's a, a little, little pocket there, yep. isn't it, yep. just before it gets to commercial. Yep. And that is interesting because we're going to have, a, I guess, a few different demographics and walk scores in that suburb. So different people buying for different reasons. Yep. Let's peg it back to the beginning like we always do. Tell me when St. James came about and why. Okay, well, St. James was first settled, I guess you'd say, in the 1940s. To, um, but most of the houses were built in the 1950s. Probably three quarters of it were built war service homes by the government after the um, soldiers coming back. And a lot of those houses, you'll notice, are were either fibro or single brick veneer, quite a lot smaller. But there is one quarter of St. James, which was the St. James Estate, which was privately built. And that was built with uh, stone and brick. And there actually is a covenant on all of those properties to say you must build in brick and stone. And that's to keep out the fibro houses because it was a little bit more exclusive. I guess that does show that progression back then of building materials. And I, th- I mean, obviously, it's great. It's great. You would probably have some nice character renovations in that area. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of those ones in the private estate were actually, they actually made their own bricks because of the shortage of bricks uh, at the time after the war. So a lot of them made the bricks themselves out of their backyards. Wow, there you go. Yeah. Are they still holding up pretty strong? Yes, they are. Okay. Yep. What are people doing? Are they knocking walls out? Are they turning them into three by twos? Or... Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. So a lot of those ones have quite small rooms, so they are making the more open plan, extensions, that kind of thing's going on, a lot more modernisation. I guess because most of the people that moved into there were moved in the 1950s, and they've all come to the age now where they're either passing away or going into nursing homes so it's been over the last 20 years a massive change in the population there and it's now mainly a first home buyers area well that's a perfect segue into something i like to guess for nostalgic purposes ask people is your clientele now your sellers are there still any original owners in there there up. are a few, there are a few, but very, very few left. Like I was saying, you know, if you moved in in the 1950s and you're in your 20s, you know, you, you're going to be pushing 90 now. So St. James in the 50s was the frontier suburb? Yes, definitely a frontier suburb back then. If you're selling 
for mostly first home buyers or second home buyers mm-hmm. and a couple of the grandparents. Uh, who's buying off you these days? Is, is it the same thing, the first and second home buyers? At the moment, it's mainly first home buyers. It's a big first home buyer area. Most people don't know to search for St. James. Um, mm. I live in St. James and I say I live in East Vic Park, mainly because, like you said, no one knows where it is. Saves the conversation. It does. Yep. So we really get the overflow from East Vic Park. East Vic Park is probably, on rule of thumb, 100 grand more per property than St. James. So a lot of people go to East Vic Park really wanting to buy one of the character houses but can't quite afford it. So we're the next price point, 100 grand less. It's a big difference go over the street. The road. Yep, exactly. Why do you think that is? Is it a name thing? I mean, Vic Park obviously has its own name about it and there are obviously more people searching it online, therefore yep. more demand. Uh, I can't imagine that the service level is much different in terms of your walk score. No, um, I think it has had a bad reputation over the years and it was probably deserved over 20 years ago. But I've lived there for 20 years and I've seen the huge change that's been made. A lot of the Homes West houses have now been knocked down and they've um, unsold those properties to private people. So there's a huge, big reduction in those difficult properties, shall we say. I would have thought that most of those are gone now. It seems that the state government is really starting to push the program of selling out these properties at a four or five hundred thousand dollars and then using that cash to go on Correct. develop yep. two apartments yep. somewhere out. Uh, yeah, that's right. Most wider. of these houses are all on big 700, 800 square meter blocks, tiny two by ones, and they're in such bad repair now that there's no point them restoring that property. maintaining no, them. Yeah. It's not at all. So they just either knock them over, sell off the land, redevelop the land and sell it off privately. And like you said, go and buy a couple of blocks on the edge of um, the city. All right, let's talk about those buying opportunities. How cheap can I buy a property in St. James? Well, depending on what you're looking for. So you're looking for a house on its own block. We've sold uh, two recently at 440 and 450. So they are the, the you know the ex-war service homes, not much being done to them, but you're looking at a good-sized block, not subdividable, and you could easily get one on a quiet street for around the 450 mark. How cheap can it get, though, if, if I just want to get a unit? Or yep. short, what's the lowest buy point you've seen? So three-by-two um, villa sold recently for 310 Wow. Yep. There's value there. There's value there. And you're looking at um, probably the cheapest, cheapest you could get is a one-bedroom apartment. So they're 1969 apartments, so my so age. Yep, 50-year-old flats. Yep. And they're selling for about 150 Jeez. Yep. I tell you what, I don't know many people that would be looking for that as an option. But if you did, especially in a rental market like this, and you were looking for something with the amount of cash you've got to just get in to something that's going to generate you some level of experience in property and some rental return with the tightening rental vacancy rate that we're seeing across Perth and the continually lowering uh, interest rates, you might find yourself on a tidy little cash flow positive property there. Yeah, definitely. That's certainly coming up. We've had a, uh, three in our office recently, which we've had people fighting over. And in the end, they went $15 per week more than the advertised price. Do you have any really nice, expensive homes in St. James? Or at least, if I can re- rephrase the question, what is the most expensive home you've sold in St. James? Well, the most expensive one I've sold just recently went for eight oh five. Um, that was a big four by two with the pool and that kind of thing, probably going on to 20 years old now. But I've just got one coming up in the market, which is absolutely gorgeous, which is probably going to be closer to 900. So you can achieve these numbers. Yes. It isn't It isn't a lower socioeconomic area. There's just a bit more density, obviously. Uh, and I assume that 
uh, as you can continue to see people pushed out of East Victoria Park, yep. they're going to want to and have the ability to spend some money in St. James and uh, ripple out that gentrification. Yeah, definitely. The gentrification is happening big time there. You just look at the schools. The school is actually one of the most um, sought-after schools in the area now, and people are, are actually fighting to get into that school because they only take them in from a certain area. So they, they want to know which where's the boundary so they can get in. And that's because of the huge um, baby boom that's going on in the area. Give me a few more questions there. Where are people going to school as a high school point from St. James? High school, not so much. <laughs> primary school, yes. There's okay. some really great primary schools there. And I do find at the moment I'm getting people moving out of the area for high school. So high school is Kent Street. That's still not seen as a salubrious enough um, establishment to go. But there's lots of private schools around there mm. that people still will stay there if they can afford a private school. If they can't afford a private school, they, they are usually moving out. To a different zoning. Unfortunately, at the moment. But then you go to the next level. I uh, assume that you get a lot of splash uh, zone from Bentley with uh, Curtin's student population. Correct. yes. Would that not offer to an investor looking for rental return yep. some... Uh, buoyed level of, especially in a growing uh, rental vacancy market uh, or a tightening rental vac- vacancy market, uh, some confidence that that return will be there for uh, many years to come. Yeah, and I think in St James the, the rental return has been somewhat softened by the um, by Curtin University being there because you've always got that student population which is competing with anybody else to rent those properties. Do you have any experience seeing? room-by-room room rents happening in places like St. James? Yeah. I know it happens in Bentley. There's a lot of them, um, and it's usually only in the Canning Council. So St. James is split between Vic Park Council and Canning Council. Mm. The Canning Council is a little bit more soft on that. Vic Park Council doesn't want to see those types of properties because they do tend to attract lots of cars. You know, you imagine if you've got a room-by-room, room, each person's got a car, where yep. they're going to park, they end up on the street. The properties don't get looked after because the room-by-room, room, nobody... No one owns the place. Nobody so. owns it, nobody cares, nobody's on the, the lease so that the gardens get filled with rubbish and that kind of thing. So you really see the difference between the Canning Council and the Vic Park Council in that. Do you see a value difference there? Definitely. Yeah, it just the streetscape doesn't look good. Do you see a service level difference between the councils that uh, w- what they're providing their ratepayers? No, I don't think so. I don't think there's that at all. But I do think you, you do notice a difference in and, and and they are being rezoned at the moment. Canning councils rezoning to R40. So those properties which are now in the in the Canning Council section of, of um, St James are either R20 or R30 are going to be rezoned to R40 shortly. So that's going to make an, an enormous difference. Well, that's the perfect the segue to our development part yep. of this chat. Where in that Saint, in St. James or is the Canning side? What is the main boundary as a street? Boundary Road is the... A boundary is the Road. Boundary. Yep. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. So everything south of Boundary Road? Everything south. So everything south, including all through to Bentley, back to Leach Highway is going to be our 40. And that's a blanket change. It's going to be a blanket change. And when do we think that's happening? Well, it's going through at the moment. It's, it's been voted on by the council, but I believe it's going through Landgate and that kind of thing at the moment. Okay. So we're waiting on Gazettal. We've been told end of the year start of next year. So some real opportunities for someone yep. who's uh, land banking or mm-hmm. just going to take you know, their time to identify that because I don't think many people would be quite aware whilst everyone is distracted with the properties they've already got and not really searching for property on Google. Mm. These sort of things start to fall under the radar. That's so right. And that there's a student investor in the area, it's yep. an opportunity. Well, there's some um, in one section of St. James, which is R20, the Canning Council R20 section, there are 1,012 square metre blocks, which are only duplex blocks as we speak but will be quadruplex blocks shortly. Is it probably worth noting that right now, on especially the retain and split 
So either it doesn't seem to be a very profitable uh, differential between what you're buying for, which obviously demonstrates you're doing such a great job selling these bigger lots mm-hmm. for, but then when we turn around and try and sell the, the front house or the land at the back or the 4 by 2 or 3 by 2 at the back, I'm looking at it and personally my experience in St. James so far is nil because I just haven't been able to demonstrate on market data enough profit. What do you think is going on there? I don't know I don't know what you're talking about because those types of houses are selling at the moment for say seven twenty. Okay. And I'm selling the front house unrenovated for four fifty and I've just sold a back block out of one of those blocks you're talking about for mm. three sixty. So if I add three sixty and four fifty together, I reckon there's profit in there. A little bit. A little bit. Not enough for not enough for me. Yeah, well if you renovate the front house that that another hundred grand on that. Mm, okay, so you think it's more of a case by case basis, and yeah, really I th- to... I think there's there's some bargains out there. So, yes, yeah, some of them are asking too much, and you've really got to check out that front house to make sure it's you know worth worth selling again. Yeah. But those are the things that are selling at the moment. Those front renovated properties are going like hotcakes. Okay, and it's providing uh, that finished solution for someone who may have been looking out further. Uh, and I realise, look, for the same price or very similar, it could yep. be 20, 30k. A lot of first-home buyers are really time poor and they really don't know how to renovate. So if they can find something that's been done for them, they will pay over and above. That all seems to make a lot of sense. I'm extremely excited about the rezoning. I think that it will hopefully bring in the gentrification the council's looking for. And when you think about the suburbs around, you don't have to go very far when you're in Waterford, you're in Manning, you're in mm. Salter Point, you're in mm. Vic Park, you're in all these beautiful suburbs. There's no reason why that gentrification isn't going to at some point totally condense St. James and it's all quite beautiful because it is, you know, you look at these streets, um, Hillview Terrace, for example, it's the reason it's called Hillview Terrace, there are views. Yeah, it's lovely. There's lovely trees and and streetscapes and everything through there and it is walking distance to the cafe strips in in East Vic Park. So, you know, I, I can't see much difference between it and East Vic Park except for the price point. Yeah. Hey... Median house price, what is it? Five fifteen. What would you buy if you had five hundred and fifteen thousand Aussie dollars in your back pocket? I'd buy one of those front renovated character homes. Why is that? I love the character homes and I'm shit at renovating. So <laughs> no, I've done it before and I don't really want to do it again. So I don't want really to want too much land at the moment, so five hundred square meters is more than enough for me. And a cute little character house. Hey, I think you represent a lot of buyers out there, going to view with yep. that perspective. Yep. So thank you very much for coming no in. No problem. Uh, and go and uh, take uh, more of that area so we can have uh, more of a chat about Bentley and other suburbs around town. No problem. Thank, thank you very you. much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!